0: Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I want to help you out with your financial situation. And I want you to listen to these stats and see if at least one of them applies to you, because I'm guessing that probably does. The average American has over $23,000 in debt. 35% of us don't own our own home. 55% of us carry balances on their credit cards. This is you, isn't it? Because I definitely fall into the category at least one of those. 56% of us can't cover an unexpected $1,000 bill. That's just some of the stats. Shocking statistics out there in terms of our financial freedom, our financial situation. Let's get some help with that. I found somebody who is not only a certified financial planner, but he's somebody that will help you close the wealth gap for the Christian believer. And they call him the Moses of finance. Paul Jervy joins us on the program. Hey, Paul, how you doing?
1: I'm good, Steve. How are you, my
0: brother? I am good, I'm good. It's so great to talk with you, especially as we start a new year and lots of us are looking at our financials and thinking, yeah, I gotta, I gotta make some changes there. What are you right now hearing from a lot of the people that you work with?
1: Steve, the one thing that I hear from a lot of people is that I either need to make a little bit more money because of the inflation stuff that's killing me, or I need to try and figure out a way to get this debt off of my back. And I'm really not sure where I'm going to be financially 10 to 20 years from now. I, I'm 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 getting a little anxiety, a little fearful uh, about my financial future and want to make some kind of adjustment, but just don't know what I should do. What's the step I need to take?
0: I can personally relate to a lot of this and my wake up, I had some life changes over the last couple of years. So I'm watching finances a little bit more and it's all good, but I had a credit card with like a $1,500 balance and I had it on auto pay. I missed one payment, okay one i wasn't even aware of it my uh my credit rating i'm not exaggerating went down seventy points in one month uh blew me away. And I called her, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, I called the credit card company. I'm like, I'm always on time. I'm taking care of things. Uh, what do we do here? She goes, well, I can't really do anything for you. And you have to wait for the next cycle and hope that it gets reported to the credit card bureau, blah, 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 blah. It took um, at least two months for it to start coming back to close to where it was. But I don't even think I'm there yet. And I, I'm just, I'm blown away. Just missing one payment can have such a major impact on your credit. Um it was my wake up how important it is to pay more attention when it comes to your finances. Um, where do you start when it comes to credit cards? What's some advice that we can even out of the gate share with somebody? Because you know, we talk about that we've got at least twenty three thousand dollars in debt we're carrying, uh, or fifty five percent of us carry a balance on their credit cards. Uh what's your what's your immediate thoughts on that? I
1: actually have this conversation quite a bit. See, so give you a little bit of a background. When it comes to credit card debt, think of it. Think of what happens like this. Let's just say I'm I'm a person and I'm working. I'm making sixty thousand dollars a year. After my deductions, my taxes, everything they take out of my check, I maybe am clearing. Let's just call it fifty thousand. Well, if the credit card company gives me a $10,000 credit card limit, then now I could normally spend 50000 but now I've got this extra 10000 that I can spend as well. So I can technically spend a total of $60,000. The issue is, is that that 10000 is going to have to get paid back. And we as consumers, as, as normal, realistic people, it's very hard for us to say, okay, I'm normally bringing in 50000 and in order to pay this debt off, I've either got to suck it up and try and figure out a way to make more money, which is probably going to make me a little bit uncomfortable, or I'm going to have to reduce my lifestyle to where now I'm only spending 40000 instead of the fifty, which I don't really want to do that either. And so what ends up happening is, we somewhat just avoid it and kind of hope that it goes away and we end up just making those minimum payments and then we either maybe get a loan to pay that off, but we never really paid it off. So it's a vicious cycle, and our country today is geared to enhancing this cycle because when you think about it, Steve, bro, everything that we're we're shown we're being marketed to. Whether it's food, whether it's clothing, and when you see those things, you want them now. And so the 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 hardest thing to do, which is what you should do, especially if you're dealing with a credit card, is to try and learn how you can delay gratification. Because if I if you can figure out and say to yourself, you know what, that's cool, I don't I want it, but I'm gonna work within the confines of my income right now, and maybe all I can put away is five or ten, maybe twenty bucks or more and I'm going to just tuck this aside until I save up what I need to save up so that I can get it. The reason that most people get into debt is because they're not willing to wait. They want that they want that gratification now. And so, delayed gratification is something that plays a crucial role when it comes to debt elimination as well as debt accrual.
0: Wow. Um what are your thoughts on credit cards? that you can roll over the balance to and then not have to pay initially the uh the finance charges you know, get a little bit of grace period whatever it might be
1: oh i love them i i recommend that all the time it's mm. one of the uh recommendations in uh one of my programs it's one of the recommendations that i give a lot of my clients um because uh every month if you google um zero balance zero percent balance transfer cards there's a website that's Called Nerd Wallet, mm-hmm. and what they'll do is they will show you the the banks that are offering credit cards at zero percent um, for eighteen to twenty one months, and so you're able to then balance transfer your credit card balance over to those, assuming that you're able to get approved for the limit that you need. You can balance transfer the whole thing, and it's 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 beautiful because credit cards average um, a 23 percent interest rate so you're 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 already getting digging yourself a hole when you have a balance because you're getting 23 percent added to the balance every single month so if you can take that and move it to a credit card where it's not going to charge you any interest that means now that the minimum amount that I'm paying is going to go directly to that balance and so before the time is up before the 18 or 21 months are up You've just spent a year and a half doing this, so your credit score is going to go up because your balance is going down. You balance transfer and do it to another one wow. until that balance is gone.
0: Okay. Got to ask this question. How often can you do it? Let's say you're balanced. On the card you have now, you did the balance transfer. Now the, it expired, and, the, and you're no longer okay. getting uh, uh, a great rate can you do it again and then do it again? Is it going to impact your credit by rolling it over to another card, to another card and, and, and so forth? 100%. It's
1: going to, it's going to give you an inquiry hit because the credit bureaus are going to see that you're applying for credit cards. um, And so after a while, they're going to catch on to what you're doing, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but they're going to catch on to what you're doing. And, you're, when you get an inquiry hit, it only drops your score by maybe one point. Mm. The The challenge, though, is is trying to make sure that you don't have a whole lot of them. I, I, I want to say the rule of thumb is to stay under seven inquiries um, because it takes them about two years or so before they fall off of your credit report. So the reason why it's not bad to do this is because, let's say, you've been trying to pay off this credit card for the last four years. Well, when you first did the first two times that you used the strategy, they probably have already fallen off if you're four years in. Wow. So the uh, credit score is going to end up going up. Uh,
0: I'm I'm not letting you go. I'm going to I'm gonna pound you with questions because <laughs> these are all the things <laughs> that go, we don't hear. We just don't hear this kind of stuff or don't know where to ask or where to go. So, Paul, I truly appreciate it. So all of that being said, I have I, – I, I think it's Experian where my credit is locked so nobody can make an inquiry unless I allow it uh I'll be honest I had a little security issue I don't know maybe like two and a half years ago and I wanted to make sure that I was it was locked down so I pay like 10 bucks a month for for it I know there's probably some free ones out there uh where can we find those where you can lock your credit only open it up when you want to allow an inquiry and then shut it down again um there there are free services that do that yeah There
1: are, but I don't necessarily believe that they're that trustworthy. Okay. You you know, when you're dealing with your credit, remember, that is your financial report card. And so it's telling all of these financial institutions, hey, this is how this guy or girl handles their money. So I have the ability where I think, I think it's on Equifax right now, where we, I had an issue with mine, and I called them up, and they just froze it. And so they said, hey, mm-hmm. if you plan on applying for anything credit-related uh, where you know it's going to be, um, they're going to pull from Equifax, because you can Google that too, depending on where you're looking for uh, lending or financing, if you can find out what bank that institution uses, you can Google it, and Google will tell you what credit bureau that they actually pull from. So um, if I ended up needing something and I knew that this place was going to pull from uh, Equifax, then I could call them up and I could basically say, hey, I need you guys to unfreeze my stuff because I'm about to uh, apply for some credit and they'll do it. Uh, And they did it for free.
0: Wow. Okay. Interesting. Now, let's go to the credit reporting bureaus. I have, and excuse me for a moment, I'm going to just grab my phone. And I currently have... And this comes from friends, uh, Credit Karma, which was free, which is reporting your your credit score using uh, TransUnion and Equifax. Uh, oh, great! I went I went down twenty three points. I'm so happy. <laughs> Not. Uh, I need Paul bad. I, I, I seriously. And then I have Experian, um, which the, you know you always get different numbers. What? And, and Experian, by the way, is the one I was paying for to lock the credit. What's what's the base? And by the way, my credit is higher there, and it it actually looks pretty good. So, what it, what is being used? Which one of these services? How does this all work? I think it's so confusing for the general public.
1: It is. Um, so basically, the easiest way to kind of uh, think about the the different bureaus is like uh, at where I where I live. There's several different types of grocery stores. So you have Shoprite, Giant, and Food Lion. Those are like the bit, and and you have an Acme. They're they're like the 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 main places that you can go to if you're if you need groceries, right? They all basically do the same thing. They they have the groceries that you need. One might be slightly more expensive than the other, but for for the most part, they all do the same thing. Uh, the The credit bureaus are basically like that. TransUnion, Equifax, Equ- Experian, they all pretty much do the exact same thing. There's not that many differences, at least that if there are, I haven't been exposed to them. But these two, these three agencies have grown to where they are the end all be all when it comes to your financial integrity. So, sometimes when you're fi- looking for financing, you're not having all three bureaus pull your credit. It's usually only going to be one. Like I know, uh, I think Chase Bank, if you get a Chase credit card, they end up pulling from Experian, I believe, and then there's others that only pull from TransUnion. So you just want to make sure that all of your information is accurate on all three, and then you do your due diligence prior to wherever you're trying to get lending just to see exactly where they're going. And so there's this website called freescorefast.com, I think is what it is, mm-hmm. freescorefast.com, that will basically show you, um, and it's been as very accurate as I've seen, that will show you all three credit bureaus, show you everything that's on your credit report, um, but they do charge a premium for their service. I want to say it's like 27 bucks a month or something like that. But you can go on there and update uh, around the same time that they update, and uh, you can see absolutely everything that's on your credit bureau. So if your address isn't right, you need to update that. If there's something that's on the credit score, that's a report that's not supposed to be there, you want to update all that. But for the most part, they're grocery stores.
0: Interesting. Thank you for that, you. that insight. I want to talk about you. Uh, of course, you help a lot of people and we'll, we'll get to the services that you offer and probably get back to credit cards in a sec. Cause I have another question, but I want to look at your, your life, Paul, how did you, how did you become inspired to be so interested in finance, eventually become a certified financial planner and then uh, somebody that does that with uh, the Christian belief?
1: So my grand, so I grew up with a real rich dad poor dad experience, right? Um, and, and anybody who hasn't read that book, it's a, it's a great book. And my father was a phenomenal dude. I loved, I loved, I loved him to death. He he passed away a couple of years ago, but mm. he had some challenges. He had he had a drug issue. He always kept a job. He worked at GM. Had a great job. Made sure that we always had shelter, clothes, food, the things that we needed. He was that guy. He always made sure that we had what we needed. But we never got to see the uh, uh, the other side of life in terms of traveling and you know, going out to eat on a regular, uh, wearing name-brand clothes and stuff like that because of his addiction. Um, so I saw what not to do with money mm. by watching my father. I saw what to do with money by watching my maternal grandfather. Um, now, he was a highly disciplined person because he, he retired a colonel in the military. Then he uh, became a, a minister in church. And he became a pastor and pastored several churches. And he retired a bishop, which is, uh, uh, which is a very high level in the Christian faith. And so he used to sit me down and show me how to balance checkbooks. And he would tell me, you know, how he's paying his bills and why he's putting money over here and what he called his rainy day fund. And then he used to – this is what was the game changer. He would take me two times a year to his financial advisor meeting. Wow. So I'm in, a, in this room sitting with my grandfather and across the table from his financial advisor, listening to this guy talk about the stock market, listening to him talk about what's happening with the economy, uh, the different things that my grandfather had going on, his estate plan, his insurance plan, their tax strategy, his investment strategy, debt strategy, everything. And as I got older, I got intrigued by it. And so um, an opportunity presented itself uh, by one of my college professors when I did a presentation told me that he was a uh, financial representative for uh, a major insurance company and thought that I would make a good financial advisor someday. And that was back in 2007, and that's kind of where I got my start. So the, the the precipice came from both my fathers, but it was really my grandfather taking me under his wing and showing me how he manages money
0: and then taking me to those meetings. I got to believe, Paul, that this was – destined to be and your life's purpose? Because a lot of younger people in that situation would be like, blah, 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 blah. I don't know how this is boring. I don't want to listen to it anymore. I probably would be one of those now that I look back on life. (laughs) Oh gosh. I I, I wish (laughs) I paid attention uh, because financially I'd probably be much better off, but we don't know until we know. Uh, So how interesting that, that, that you had that early interest in all of that.
1: Yeah, it was it was definitely something that I believe that God instilled in me and I just was interested in it. And I don't I couldn't explain it. I was just so interested in it and so mm-hmm. much to the point that when I graduated from college, I passed up a job. There was a bank out here called uh, ING Direct and uh they're no longer here, but I ended up um, I was an intern with them for four years. I was an executive intern working with the chief risk officer had a job lined up making uh, where I was going to start out making forty grand a year and I passed that up in two thousand and seven uh, to basically become an insurance agent and start this career of being a financial advisor and um, you know I failed at it a lot um, and uh, my first company i didn't I wasn't a success at all. They thought it wasn't a good job for me. So I went to another company, found success for the first couple of years, and then it got really hard. And so I said, I'm going to give myself the kind of like a third try. And uh, I went to a third company, and everything just blew up. And that's kind of biblical as well because there's a passage in Luke where Jesus is telling a parable, um, and it uh, he's telling. Uh, he says this guy basically goes out to his gardener, and he says, you know, why have you uh, watered this plant, you know, uh, for, for the last three years, and the guy says, well, you know, I think it's going to grow, and guy, he says, okay, let it go for the rest of this year, but if it doesn't grow, then you pull it up, and basically, the biblical indication of that is that if you try something three years and it doesn't work, you're supposed to cut it off.
0: Did you so say Did you I say do, three years? Did is, did I hear that right? excuse
1: me, three times. Try it three times. Three times. Basically three times. It's, like, it's, it's, it's like three stewardship cycles is the way that I, I call it, so, like, I remember... Talking to somebody when they were in this multi-marketing thing at one point, and they say, "Yeah, this is my third time." And I say, "Okay, well, if this is your third time and you fail at it again, then you need to cut it off and go do something else, because you know, like three, strike one, strike two, strike three, that's it. And plus, it's in scripture, so that's kind of how I took it. And so I always take, uh, you know, I'm a very down to earth, dude, but I, I, I can, I, I know scripture, especially when it relates to money. And so I've been able, I've always been able to easily in there, those principles in there, and apply it to life. And so that's what's really separated me from a lot of other financial advisors that I've been able to grow a client base of, of, of people that are believers and a lot of people that aren't. So I have people of, uh, of different demographics. I have um, Indians, Asians, black, uh, white, I, you, you name it. And we all love each other. It's a very family-oriented practice. Um, but I've always had that rooted in that everybody knows that, okay, you know, when you sit down and talk to Paul about your money, some Bible is most likely going to come out somewhere.
0: I find it interesting whether you're religious or not, you know, the three. And the number three, things in thirds, really does have a bearing. Even if you look back at Nikolai Tesla, everything he did was divisible by the number three. And this is the guy that, you know, brought us motors, engines, electric. He manifested all of that before it even existed, and he created it. So. Yep. Interesting viewpoint. Uh, In the time we have, tell us about the programs that you help people uh, move along in their journey to financial freedom. Yeah,
1: so I I own and operate two companies. The first one is uh, called Jerby Genesis Solutions, where we are a full-fledged financial planning and wealth management firm. So there we do the upper echelon of of financial planning. And we have four primary programs where we help people um, with their cash flow, with their investments insurance, um, retirement, tax needs, and, and we're heavy in tax planning because one of my philosophies is, is that we all have to pay taxes, but there's nothing that says that we need to give the IRS a tip. So I'm very heavy when it comes to tax planning and making sure that my clients are keeping more of their money instead of giving it away to the government. So that's the first one. The second company is uh, one that I'm incredibly proud of. It's called Exonomic. Um It is uh, derived from the, uh, the, the Book of Exodus, and economics put together. Um, the, the purpose of the program is to take people on a exodus, a financial exodus from bondage to the promised land. And so it's a, uh, a self-paced, uh, step-by-step program that helps you intertwine or integrate Bible and money so that you're basically getting the information that you need, even if you cannot afford to sit down with a financial advisor yet. This is the program that you get into so that at some point you're ready to have your own personal financial advisor.
0: Amazing uh, what you offer in terms of helping people and everybody needs it. I don't think there's anybody out there that can say, "Ah, hey, I'm good. Hey, everything's fantastic. I'll bet that is wrong once we start peeling back the layers on everybody's financial situation. Uh, I've got a personal question. Can I ask? Absolutely. Okay. Back to credit cards real quick. Got a business, small business, have credit cards that that, uh, are used for the business. I have been told that you can't separate those from your personal uh, identity. So, you know, they're attached to my social security number. When the cards go up and down, it affects my credit. Uh, Is that false? Is that true? And what kind of light can you shed on that?
1: That is uh, false. So I have... um I have three credit cards, a personal credit card, a credit card for uh, my Genesis company, and then a credit card for my economics company. The two business credit cards do not show
0: up on my personal credit at all. How did you apply for them? So
1: so how you you, you apply for them just as you would any other. You just have to make sure that uh, the business name is on it, the business EIN is on it. They will run your personal credit as you're getting started because your business may not have the financial track record to basically give the financial institution enough confidence that you're credible, that your business is credible to pay the bill. So they're going to look to you to see how you've been managing your money to see if you're credible. Once you've been in business for a while, there are certain strategies that you can employ that can help build your business credit. And then moving forward, you can just, all you'll need is your business EIN number to apply for a credit card and they won't even look at your personal credit. They'll actually look at your business credit. Wow. But when you're getting started, they need that personal.
0: It's amazing how many hear the stories that you hear because even somebody within a bank told me, well, yeah, you know, you can you can have it not include your personal uh, information like a social security number, but it's going to take typically like two years for that to happen. I'm like, what? I've been in business for years. There shouldn't be any issues. <laughs> wow. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, well, yeah man. Yeah, you're amazing, and and you have the answers. Like, I've, I've you know, through a bunch of questions, and I think a lot of them are relatable to, to regular people. Uh, you know your stuff. Uh, you are. You are the Moses of finance. How do we connect with you, Paul, if we want to start with the program and really just hammer down on our financial situation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if uh, everyone that uh, wants to connect, they can go to www.com. E-X, so it's E-X-O-M-O-I-C-X, exonomics.com. So I'm going to give it to you again, wwwe exonomics.life. Okay, so if you go to exonomics.life, you'll be able to read up all on our program there. Um, and if you feel as though that you're interested in hiring a financial planner, uh, and would like for myself or one of our team members to assist you, you can go to www.genesiswms.com. So those are the two, uh, the two ways that they can uh, find me. You can also follow me on, on uh, social media by just typing in Paul Jervie on Instagram, Paul Jervie on YouTube. I go live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with some financial topic as well.
0: Fantastic! Next time we get together, I really want to hammer down to uh, what some of the things that the program offers in terms of your mindset financially and uh, just go definitely way deeper. Uh, Paul, pleasure meeting you. Great talking with you. Love what you offer and uh, truly looking forward next time we get together. Me too, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. You must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council.